because circularity for us is really a top priority at the moment, we are investing in every possibility that we have to make the world moving faster from a linear business model to a circular one. The Uniformer. Insights and interviews into the people and companies that drive the markets for uniforms, image apparel, and public safety equipment. The Uniformer is a production of the Network Association of Uniform Manufacturers and Distributors, the NAUMD. Hello, and welcome to The Uniformer. I'm Rick Levine, Executive Director at the NAUMD, and thrilled to be sitting here today uh, with Rosella De Angelis. Uh, my new Italian friend, <laughs> and appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today, Rosella. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Hello to all the listeners. I'll be glad to explain you a little bit of what I do, of what we do as uh, Clockman and uh, TV Industries. So let's start right where you suggested, actually, because you have kind of a... a like a sophisticated sounding title, right? You're the Group Communication CSR and Circular Economy Director for a very large textile company, maybe the one of the largest in Europe, uh, Klopman International. What, what does that title mean and what is it you actually do throughout the year, Rosella? I actually joined uh, Klopman eight years ago and uh, I've always been taking care for... Uh, different companies about the uh, communication and uh, marketing in general. And uh, in my previous experiences, I had the chance to uh, see different aspects of the communication from the PR to the events organization to really all the aspects of the communication in general. And I brought this experience into the company. Of course, we don't sell the finished goods, so we are really mainly talking B2B here. And in my last experience was in B2B as well with the different logics, uh, with the logics that are a little bit different than a, on a B2C sector. This was the experience I brought when I joined the company. I've not been doing it uh, for years quite happily, successfully, and then about a year and a half ago, they came up with the proposal to add to my responsibilities, the responsibility of the sustainability and circular economy that is a topic that we are heavily investing on. We're not new to this, we're not new to sustainability, Klopanen and the TV as well have been working to bring the market more sustainable products and more... Um, uh, advanced product both in the product itself and in the process behind since years. We have a lot of certifications that prove the effort that we put in this. But of course, uh, it's always um, we wanted to take this a step forward and we wanted to make sure we could make sure that it was understood exactly by our customers and our stakeholders in general, the effort that we put into this. This is why probably the uh, combination of uh, sustainability and communication uh, works for us because uh, it's not because we take sustainability as part of the communication. I'm really doing two different jobs, but we just want to make sure that a complex job like sustainability is also well understood. 
we are really, really working hard towards the sustainability now, and we are doing, for example, LCA calculations uh, of uh, of our products. We are uh, we would like to anticipate the requirements of the CSRD directive, and we have a uh, a sustainability report uh, fully GRI. Uh, in accordance to GRI standard. We're doing uh, a lot of activities and we want to make sure that the complex analysis that we do behind can be well perceived and understood because we want to avoid anything close, even close to greenwashing. We really want to put data and the quality that we used to even in a complex subject as sustainability is today. You know, I hear CSR and I think customer service rep, like that's the, you know, <laughs> that's the acronym I know most, right? So for myself and the listeners, what is CSR? CSR stands for uh, Corporate uh, Social Responsibility. Oh. So it's the sustainability in all the aspects and applications inside the company. Just had a conversation this week with a few members about ESG, which is a an acronym here in North America for, you know, environment, social issues and governance. Is it a little bit like that? Corporate social responsibility covers really all the aspects from uh, governance, what are called normally also the ESG, you know, environment, social, and governance aspect of a company. Just being good, being good corporate citizens, being kind to our world and our stakeholders and our employees and the environment and and all of that. Being kind and do our best to improve ourselves daily because, you know, uh, the European Union is uh, getting quite strict on the future of our business, of textiles in general, I mean and is um, really uh, heading to, for example, a carbon zero commitment for the companies. Of course, uh, we are still far from it. Obligation is for um, 2055, but still uh, the, the, the process is long to go and we want to make sure we can uh, get there and make sure that day by day, day, day by day, we can lower our impact on the environment and we can compensate whatever this is not possible. But this is a journey. Klopman owns all their own factories? Klopman is uh, part of a bigger group, uh, which uh, of a French property that owns in total five companies. One is a TDB Industries that is wow. based in Laval in the north of France. Then we have uh, recently acquired two companies that does uh, knitting. And we have a joint venture in Jakarta for uh, uh, to produce uh, products similar to the Klopman ones on the other side of the world. So to basically serve the Asian market. That's a lot of uh, activity to um, think about when it comes to CSR and sustainability and circularity. There's a lot of, a real lot of moving parts because you've got factories in different parts of the world. Yes, yes, of course, we are working step by step. And uh, so we are starting with uh, Klopman and TV basically together to run out the analysis that we are working on. And at the same time, to bring the market more and more sustainable products. So the biggest investment that we have done is really towards uh, circularity at the moment. 
we have a group the group that we owns also a part a share of a factory always still in the north of france that recycle garments at the end of their life cycle uh, for garments we don't mean and, and i mean not just monofibers but uh, multi-fibers like uh, polyester cotton blends they mechanically recycle it to make a new fiber that is then reused inside the same level. So reused to make really fabric that we resell into the same market. This is a very big novelty for the market because we are ready at an industrial scale because we are not downscaling the product that we offer the market. We can really re-offer fabrics with pretty much the same performances as the virgin one. Of course, the content of recycled is not 100%, but we have an increasing quantity uh, inside, and we can make sure we can really close the loop. I'm, I'm close with one of your colleagues, Mukesh, who operates in India and the Middle East on behalf of Klopman, and he told me, and tell me if this is the story that you're now relating, he said that the, the white Middle Eastern cloth that so many um, people in uh, Arab nations are wearing is uh, a principal piece of that 100% circularity uh, that you're talking about, that you're able now to take that white fabric, which is millions of yards a year, right? I mean, there's a lot of that being worn, and then and then turning that back into fiber that is then, um, I mean, that's the holy grail, right? That's the ultimate... Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the project that uh, you are mentioning is not the same one that I'm talking about. We are investing because circularity for us is really a top priority at the moment. We are investing in every possibility that we have to make uh, the world uh, moving faster from a linear business model to a circular one. So the example that you have made is active in the Middle East, it's working very nicely, and they are producing um, different products out of the garments uh, reused, and is a chain uh, non-European. Instead, we are also investing in Europe in a European chain uh, to close the loop to make fabric. So, yes. We are heavily investing and not in only one product, but in project, but in more than one. I mean, it's so encouraging to hear that, uh, back to your first example, because, well, it's the same, similar example, that you're taking post-consumer, right? So you're taking garments at end of life, decontaminating them somehow, right? Removing emblems and embroidery and things like that. Or are you able to just sort of uh, mechanically... Uh, include that and then in the I don't know the big soup of <laughs> yeah. of, of treatment you know it all it all happens I mean it just amazes me that now they can turn that back into a fiber and I'm not even sure I understand how the fiber becomes yarn and the yarn becomes you know a garment but the the system that is in place that we are uh, relying on is uh automatically detecting uh, zippers, buttons, and everything. So at the moment, uh, we are collecting out of uh, laundries, and therefore we don't need any sorting in between because they deliver pretty much uh, homogeneous uh, kind of, uh, of fabric. And as I mentioned, uh, the, the system automatically detects 
that cuts off the pieces and by and separates the things that are not necessary, like the bottom zippers, and even labels. They can even say the system can even separate labels by uh, using uh, the basic principles or principle of gravity. Then, then it literally like cuts that out, and and I'm picturing a conveyor belt that routes the label over in this direction and the rest of the garment over in this other direction. No, I mean, no, like... right, because it, the the weight of the weight is different, so the bottom. And I mean, I know I, I'm going into the weeds here, right? We need we need like an engineer on the call with us for yes, that part, exactly. right? <laughs> but I'm I'm just fascinated by that, and it doesn't surprise me that our technology and if there's a will to get that done, the science of it, then we have smart enough people on the planet that can figure that out. It just hasn't been the will of, of the people, I guess, right? And and speaking of which. I've been phrasing it to people that North America, you know, is a decade behind uh, Europe and in all kinds of ways, right? We're not legislating as much, so we're not encouraging corporations to be better citizens, but it also just seems, you know, we have the cliche lazy American perspective that we're entitled to pollute. So, you know, we're just going to keep doing it. You know, what parts of the world are you seeing you know, and, and do, do you see that similar to companies that are in contact with you and your team in different parts of the world or just at different stages? And how do we how do we account for that? How do we deal with that? I think that truly Europe is wants to is ahead of most of the countries uh, is the, in the world and even in the Occidental world, as you mentioned. And I, but I think we really want European Europe really wants to take the lead in this. The idea is that we or the idea that uh, is moving the, the Commission, I think, is that uh, we want to be the first to drive the path and guide the others as well to follow. Uh, how exactly is yet to be defined, but. Uh, uh, the idea would be to move forward in this direction and make sure that somehow uh, by because the world is very much linked into the other if we lead the way the others will follow. So as I mentioned, there is a program of uh, a big program of decarbonization, but also a big focus has been put on to the textile sector. There is a transitional pathway for the Europe framework to move into a more sustainable way of making textiles. And of course, this is having two different uh, things. It's not really focusing on work, whether on the uniform market in general, because in some ways we are already ahead. Is more the focus, of course, is more on fast fashion, because uh, uh, one of the first uh, topics on the agenda. Uh, is to make uh, products that last. And of course, this is one of the, uh, for us is, uh, you know, like we, we already are producing products that can last as much as possible because of course it's in, an, in the, a little bit in the DNA of the uniform industry and uh, of, uh, of, of my company in general. We've always been, uh, wanted to put the, the, the highlight on the quality of the product because we believe that bringing uh, quality to the market uh, makes sure is safe, first of all, saving resources, uh, monetary resources and, uh, 
environmental resources and everything. So the first way to be sustainable will be on uh, focusing on durability. Also, they want to, they, the European Union is focusing, to go back to the digital discussion, is focusing on the digital product passport that will uh, go together with um, the garments produced so that people can be aware of the impact that uh, what they're wearing is uh, bringing to the market. And then a tight control on aggression washing in the future, whenever we will be doing a claim on communication and we go back to the communication and then the original discussion we have had, you have to make sure you can prove what you're saying. And you have to make sure you can really demonstrate that you say you're greener, uh, it means you can prove it with some data. And this is why we are uh, really putting a big effort on the calculations on uh, the impact of our fabrics and um, on the, mar- the products we deliver the market because we want to make sure that whenever we will offer something into the market, we can really uh, sustain what we promise with data because we are serious about the uh, business and we will always be. The digital passport idea is that we're going to track the garment uh, and the materials within it from birth to death, right? From from the very start of the product being assembled and 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 knowing what went into it, where it happened, and then at the end, what is the 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 end? And that end is really interesting. So one of the things that I hear from companies is their biggest challenge is who's going to pay to collect the garments for recycling because our end users here, you know, in North America and everywhere in the world are very concerned that, well, we don't necessarily want to bear that burden of cost to send the uh, the item to, you know, to a recycler. So how do how does Klopman deal with that? Although, and one more point, and then I'll let you talk, I swear, uh, <laughs> um, is I really... I really do believe, though, and you mentioned this a little bit, that our industry stands a really good chance of being a leader in this space. Um, and and by the way, I love, and this is why you're a communications manager, because you turned my negative interpretation of, you know, why is the U.S. behind, per se, uh, into a, well, no, it's more that we want to be leaders, not that the U.S. is behind. I love that. So thank you. Because now <laughs> Yeah, that's my job. <laughs> Because now I'm going to use that. Well, yeah, we're behind because we're, you know, we're refusing to be uh, uh, leading the charge. So as a industry, we know where our garments are. We know what's in them. So unlike fast fashion, the fabrications might be kind of random and we don't necessarily know where the garments are. And we honestly aren't even sure how many we produced like in fast fashion, right? Like, okay, well, we could say how many, you know, came off the ship, but we don't know, you know, for sure, like where it all went. So, but but in the B2B space, as you phrase it, in the uniform space, in the workwear space, we know exactly how many garments went out into the world and are still out there. And we know where they are because we can track those employees. So, boy, we, you know, I sure uh, hope that we can, offer a a solution that others can then follow in the general apparel industry. I just want to add to the 
to your uh, comment, the fact that in, uh, in Europe, uh, we have also a, a waste from framework directive that is taking place where garments uh, at the end of the uh, of their life uh, cannot be trashed anymore and they will have to be collected and somehow recycled this will not happen in uh, 20 years but is uh, supposed to be happening from january 2025 so and this is we will have as you correctly mentioned a big amount of material to be recycled and we will have to make sure we accelerate all the solutions available in the market and there are a lot of solutions not a lot of them are ready for an industrialized level because there's a lot of pilots a lot of trials a lot of very successful trials uh, but then uh, the challenge is to move it uh, to an industrial scale and uh, but we will have to accelerate because uh, as you mentioned, we as an industry uh, can be ahead, can lead again the way for the, for the fashion because we know already where the garments are. But soon we will have also material ready to be recycled and they will have to find a way to reuse them. Uh, to, so the, the, the option of recycle is only once, but of course there's the option of the reusage. The, but first of all, there is also one topic that is super important for the industry and is to project, to work and to design garments with their end of life in mind at the, big, at the beginning. This is another topic that will be crucial for the coming years. We will have, probably have even to think, there's a lot of discussions in the industry on uh, the engineerization of the, of the material we offer the market. As making it easier, a step forward with less materials inside or with monofiber, with two fibers, not with four or five, because everything will be made, the more complex it is, the more difficult it will be to recycle. So all the industry, as you can imagine, the industry will have to work together to make sure that we can deliver durable products that last for longer, that the garment is designed for recyclability, that at the end of the life cycle is well collected, you will have to go back, we will also have to make our effort to make this possible. Otherwise, we will keep uh, having tons and tons and of uh, waste that we don't know where to address them. So who's paying for all this? That was my original question. <laughs> so who pays to pick up the post-industrial uh, waste? On the garment itself, they are talking of adding a, a little tax, like a few cents on every garment you buy, to go into a consortium that gets the garment back at the end of the life. So basically... That's the public-private cooperation that, you know, that it's going to take to pull something like this off. So uh, we have one state in the U.S., that has put out a textile law that says, okay, you can't throw, you can't send this to landfills. And the assumption is they're just going to go after large producers to start with. Right. But, you know, but I've also been told there's too much post consumer and even post 
well, post-consumer, because even though it's a uniform, it's really post-consumer waste, right? So there's too much of it. We don't have the capacity. Like, even if we could collect it all right now, we don't have anything to do with it, really, because, you know, it's a tiny percent of what, for example, the laundries use that you're talking about that. And I don't know, maybe Klopman can handle half of what they have already. Maybe I'm wrong, but my assumption is it's a very... Yes, you're absolutely right. We will have to find different ways because the amount of uh, waste from the industry in general is, uh, is very big. And the way we have to recycle today is really, really, really small. We. This is why all this industry will have to work together and to push it to make it possible um, in a quicker, in a quicker way and as much as possible. Because of course there will always be a part that is not uh, fully able to recycle. But we have to. Everybody will have to do his part, and we will have to cooperate from the very beginning, from when the product is for the market. Okay. So back to that point, which uh, some call design with intent, right? So you need to design with intent, but is it just as simple as monofiber? How do we in a monofiber have all of the performance technologies that our industry requires? We've got protective fabrics. We, I don't know, we potentially need to stop a bullet we need to stop a knife. We need to stop fire. We need to, you know, have a chemical barrier protection for the medical industry. It's like your team is probably constantly challenged with customers coming and saying, we just had an employee suffer this. Yes, yes. Of course, you touched another very sensitive topic. Well, protection, because I, I was talking mainly of the basics now, polycotton fabrics or the basics uh, uh, simple fiber in general, but then when you go when we go deeper into protective wear, things uh, change and gets for sure a little bit more complex. And we will have to question ourselves if we for protective wear we're really ready for that, or if we want to put the uh, safety of the wearer on the top priority on the, as a top priority rather than the ecological solution. Uh, there are some uh, solutions that today can be integrated that can lower the impact of the protective wear and that we are actually offering the market like um, uh, fabrics with um, denser inside or recycled polyester. And this can be applied also to protective wear because there are some excellent products, excellent fibers and yarns that can be used uh, uh, into the fabric to make to lower the impact. This is the the solution we have today. But of course, as we are investigating on a solution for the workwear, we will have to investigate on a solution for the protective fabrics that we we sell the market. Fabrics and the garments, uh, of course, because uh, the responsibility doesn't end at our gates, but it will have to be in a strict cooperation with uh, the garment producer. So what are people doing with protective garments at the moment? Is there any option? At the moment, there are a lot of trials. Not as far as I know, someone that, have, that has already really a solution marketable. Not as far as I know. And any of our listeners that can prove me wrong, I'm open to hear it. What about smart fabrics? What if there's technology that's not the actual 
fiber, yarn, and fabric. Is there a vision that we could have technology that almost lives, like attaches itself somehow to the textile, and then we know how to unattach it, and that's how we, you know, we do barrier. Pre I guess that's what a finish is in essence, right? Yeah, and um, honestly, in Clopin and 3D, we are investing a lot of efforts in uh, innovation in R&D in general. We, we have been working with universities, we are working with the universities and uh, research centers to check into the possibilities that the smart textiles, nanotechnologies offer us since uh, years now. Um, the researches are very promising, but of course, they're not ready. We're not ready for that. But uh, the solutions really can be multiple, and, and we want to investigate any possible direction. So would you recommend the workwear industry, the uniform industry, to uh, two young people? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we, have the, we have the chance... Uh, uh, through the years uh, to collaborate with a lot of uh, universities. Uh, uh, and, you know, the workwear sector is not something that comes as a top of mind when uh, uh, young people are uh, getting uh, closer to the garment making. You know, everybody's mainly thinking of fashion and uh, is really where the head goes to. But our industry can offer very big possibilities and uh, we are really looking forward for uh, a, a creative contribution that can come from uh, young people. So there is space for everyone. We, as we mentioned in our discussion uh, before, uh, we can be ahead in a lot of uh, different ways. Uh, we can really drive uh, the future. I'm, re I'm really convinced that sustainability is the key of the future. We can be ahead, and I'm sure that young talents can find really interesting uh, um, subjects for uh, their own uh, career in the future of the industry. We are ourselves working daily to attract new talents and in different different fields because uh, there is a really big need of people that want to work work hard and work well to make the future of the industry possible how do we do that because that's like the biggest thing that companies complain about is okay supply chain issues because we're still all reeling from the pandemic year you know two years and you know, where everything collapsed because we couldn't have just-in-time delivery. We all got spoiled, right? And then the big thing is we can't find people. We we used to be able to throw people at problems. <laughs> oh, well, we'll just hire more people. And then, you know, and we can't do that anymore because, because everyone that wants to work is working. And I totally agree with you that young people aren't exposed to the problems that are niche within the niche, right? So if apparel is a niche of the textile world, because textiles are used in all kinds of ways, but then we're like this small niche within the apparel industry, and they're just not exposed to the kinds of problems that we're solving. So how, I don't know, you caught my attention when you said, yeah, every day we're trying to recruit, you know, uh, young people and interest them in what we're doing. Any 
any uh, best practices that you want to share with? Rather than best practices, I think that the, the young generations are um, uh, really attractive by people that can demonstrate that they're serious about business. Young generations, even more than our generations and uh, are uh, looking forward for a place to work that is really serious about business. And when I talk of seriousness, I mean uh, towards the famous ESG that we mentioned at the beginning of our conversations. Young generations are very sensitive to the topic of sustainability. And for sustainability, I don't only mean environmental, they are uh, sensitive to the topic of sustainability in terms of social impact, in terms of governance, and of course, in terms of environment as well. Uh, if you can offer the uh, young generation the sense, the, the, the sense that they are working to make our world a little bit better and not they, that will be a good enough reason to start thinking that a company could be a company for you. I've had, this, I've had this discussion often during the fairs, no? You always receive the visit of some students that come over to see what you're doing. And the first thing they ask you is what you do in terms of your impact, in terms of the sustainability of the product. This is always the main topic. If we are serious on this, I think you, we've got the key for uh, the young generations to interest them, even in a market that is not their, probably their top of mind. I really like that answer. It brings to mind words like purpose that young people um, and, and, you know, you, you talk to university professors just like I do, and they do say the way that young people think about their education, the way they think about the world is very, is very different. They want to know uh, what's in it for them. What is in it for, you know, how, how will I be helping the world in essence? And so a sense of purpose you were talking about, and there was another nuance to it, a, a seriousness that you aren't, I mean, you mentioned the word greenwashing. It's almost like and it's a little bit opposite of the stereotype we have about young people who don't necessarily want to work that hard. And your experience is, no, that's not the case nowadays. You're you're saying, no, your experience is, no, they're very serious and they want to know that they're going to a place where things will be taken seriously. And I think this is, this is a really good thought leadership for companies to think about in the recruiting efforts. Like, you know, show, it's not about, the foosball table or the ping pong table or the, you know, the free food, like so many tech companies have used in the past 10 or 20 years to recruit, you know, people. It's really about, uh, perhaps it's really about the seriousness of intent. Like, well, what is, what are you doing? Yeah, we cannot fall, uh, as a company, as companies, we cannot fall into the stereotypes of uh, ping pong and free food. We want, if there are people that want to go in a place uh, where they can find free ping pong, they're free to go. But I really think, I really think that uh, there is a big part of people, of young, now people in the young generations, that is really following companies because of their serious approach to business. I'm really convinced that, and we should all be uh, positive towards this uh, way of thinking because we have to grow up a generation and we will be growing up a generation of kids that do this. I see it with my in my personal life. <clears throat> I've got two young daughters. 
that are really conscious of what they do in terms of sustainability, much more than I was at their age. And this is a positive image of them yeah. closing the, the water whenever they brush their teeth, making sure they can differentiate in the correct way. And these are things that are in the DNA, and we should not uh, forget that. Very good. Boy, Rosella, it was such a pleasure to talk with you today about, about group communication, CSR, and circular economy. My long job title. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me to this uh, nice talk. And uh, it was great to be here with you. 